Hi there. I was just at the Dairy Queen. I saw you down here and thought I'd say hello. I'm just grabbing some shopping fuel. I never see you away from the store. After all these years, you'd think we'd run into each other at some point. Why do you live around here? I live downtown. Oh. Well, that's quite a drive. No, I'm used to it. You have a nice boy there. Oh, Jake. <laughs> yeah. A little sensitive, maybe, but, um, he likes you, Cy. Oh. He calls you Cy the photo guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've watched him grow since he was this big. That's right. We've been doing our pictures for a long time. You know, I almost feel like Uncle Cy. <laughs> well, I've got some serious shopping to do, Cy. Oh, sure. Take care. Oh, my God. What? It's so weird. I, I, I'm, I'm reading that exact book right now. You're kidding. No. I can't believe that you'd be reading that book. You know, he writes a lot about noticing coincidence, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. That thing he says about fear? The things we fear the most have already happened to us. Wow. I had no idea you were such a deep thinker, Sai. I wouldn't say that. Do you have any children, Sai? Me? No, I'm not married. No girlfriend? No. I have a snapshot of my mother, though. You know, such a good song. Kind of the video. The closer. You know, the demo coming up. Oh. Hello. Hi. Hello, everybody. So this is uh, Jesse Dew, just having a little walk down memory lane, listening to some the Nine Inch Nails closer. Because Mark Romanek directed this video. You guys remember this video. If you were alive in the 90s and old enough to watch MTV, to play it all the time. And a fabulous video. Totally artistic, blew everybody's mind because it was like dark and the pig head and the whole thing. And it was really gorgeous with front floating and going to the beat. And the beat was hot. 
And all of that yumminess was brought to us by Mark Dominic again. Say his name three times, maybe he'll appear. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is also the director of the movie that we're going to talk about. We are wrapping up Stocktember uh, with the glorious film One Hour Photo starring Robin Williams, directed by Mark Romanek. There's his name again. Um, Michael Vartan. Um, and Eric LaSalle. Um, oh, and Connie Nielsen was the wife. So uh, this movie is sort of an unsung hero of stalker and stalker movies and movies about um, people who are unhinged but able to pass in like quote unquote normal society. And we thought that it was a good one for the last week of September because boy, oh boy, does Robin Williams turn in a performance that should have won him at least an Oscar nod and should have definitely won him a Golden Globe and lots of other awards. Um, I don't know that it didn't get him any awards. I'm sure that he won some sort of awards from critic circles or whatever. Um, I think Mark Romanek got nominated maybe for a couple of things for this movie. It was so gorgeous. And yeah. yeah, so we thought that this was kind of riding out September, which is such a low, which is such a low behavior on the spiritual plane. We thought we'd kick it up a notch and bring it up to the higher spiritual plane. And Jeff is laughing because I'm like making like, you know, wings with my arms <laughs> yeah. demonstrate what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, but we thought that we could elevate ourselves up to this glorious artistic level that Robin Williams and I won't say his name again, the director <laughs> bring us to. <laughs> and Jeff, yeah, do you want to do you want to chat a little bit uh, together about one hour? Photo? Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Honestly, this is. I've seen this movie so many times um, and it, like watching it this time, I re I just had so many moments flash back for me. So I was like, Oh, well I remember this a little more than I thought I did. So whenever a film that you haven't watched in probably 10 years, you throw it on and you can remember lines and you can remember certain scenes and things like that. That tells you that the movie has really stuck with you and they did a great job with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so Robin Williams plays Cy Parrish. He's a photo tech at a save Mart, a big, <laughs> a big box store chain. And, uh, he, you know, gets a chance to, develop people's photos and you know in some cases strike connections with people and um, you can tell from very early on that he is a lonely guy um, you know lives in solitude basically yeah he, it's so sad it's, it's sad. sad it's it's troubling even yeah. just to look at like it's troubling to see him like the contrast of going from like the save Mart 
when he's yeah. when he's on duty, like and there's so many people going in and out and he's busy and he's got purpose and he's, you know, full of action to like going to, you know, his house, even just leaving the scene when the lights turn off. And yeah. he just goes to his car and his car has that like weird crack in it in the in the windshield. Mm-hmm. I just I I don't know. And you see him for like a second get really angry about it. And it's totally contrasted to the like the quiet and sweet guy that is at, you know, the photo the photo station inside the yeah. store. And I like to say I worked at a one hour photo place. Really? For a while. Yeah. Um, shout out to my friend Jason who hooked me up with that job. <laughs> <laughs> at times to his chagrin at times to his delight more chagrin than delight the first day of the, my first day on the job you know in the movie you see like you know the film going through the processor like in the very beginning you see like the spool of film getting yeah. going through the machine and the whole thing well jesse's first day Uh oh. i i don't know what happened apparently they tell me that i took a roll of film from someone and put it in the machine Mm -hmm. and like my very first day i don't remember doing that but they said i did it so they are like the group of people that work there they could sometimes you know not be really completely aware of things themselves right Mm. but they said that i did that and that the and then the roll of film got lost (laughs) so right away i started off i guess by by really pissing off one of the customers because I lost the roll of film that apparently was like from a vacation. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize I did that. I don't remember doing that. If you said I did it, I might not believe you, but (laughs) apparently that was funny. But yeah, a lot of, I was actually happy about, um, kind of like, you know, nerdily happy. They got a lot of things right. in the portrayal of like him, like, even like wearing that big apron to take the tank of like lab waste, like the water yeah. that he was like dumping. All of that is really accurate, actually. That all of that is they were just right on the money. So sorry to that's interrupt, awesome. but no, thank no, you for listening. Awesome. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, when when the movie starts, we can tell how serious he takes this job. Um, because I mean, he sees it as like this is essential. I mean, you're capturing moments uh, of of what the family's doing, and you know, throughout the years, he has um, developed a, a liking for the Yorkin family, and so much so that we see him um, putting their pictures up in his home. And he's tried to make connections with them, but you know, it just they just never seem to hit home. But um he does eventually um he's able to have a conversation with Nina, who's played by Connie Nielsen, and um he talks to her about a book and then he's talking about uh her son, Jake. Um and his birthday's coming up. And one of the things that Cy likes to do is give people um, free disposable cameras on their birthday. Um, I look them back to bite them yeah, in the rear. Might bite them in the tuchus. Um, 
Um, so yeah, and and honestly, like shout out to Jake because it seems <laughs> like he's the only person that is mature enough to understand that there's something seriously wrong inside right? of the world. You know, like he he's like, he's really sad, mom. And she's like, I don't think that, you know, he's just, he, he's probably got a girlfriend and all this stuff. And Jake's like, no, nah, probably not. I don't think he does, you know, and open I mean, your eyes, for, lady. <laughs> yeah. Like for a kid. I mean, that's, that's the other thing too, that I pulled away from this movie is that sometimes as adults, we are so laser focused and have such tunnel vision that we miss things that are going on around us Mm. and you know for and and that's it's not like that for children so for a child to be able to pick up on that was both sad and you know also eye-opening because it was sad because this kid is kind of going through some stuff with his father um and you know his father will find out <laughs> not a great guy we'll um, find out all right <laughs> yeah he, he not a great guy but um nope but yeah i mean he but you for him to be able to identify that shows a level of brokenness in his own life but also it shows us that children are so observant mm. and in contrast as adults we miss so much because of everything that we have going on in our lives. So true. Jake was, Jake was like, you know, a little Romanian old lady who could see the future with the crystal ball. (laughs) I mean, he really was like, he looked over and he's smoking a cigarette with like, you know, a scarf on his head. You know, he was like, and he was like, mommy, you know, (laughs) mommy. (laughs) I, I know Sia said he doesn't have a mommy and daddy who love him and he doesn't have a girlfriend, mommy. You know, open your eyes, stupid. And he like flicks the cigarette at her. <laughs> oh my goodness, the oh imagery. My I know. But yeah, no, he he his mom says to him, like, Sai, I mean, Sai probably has a girlfriend, like you said, and she's like, I'm Sai probably has a mommy and daddy who love him. And he's like, No, he doesn't. I don't think he does. Mm-hmm. He's sad and I, I think he gets picked on, you know, and I'm like, geez, Oracle. <laughs> He's like yeah. a little oracle because that's exactly it. Sai is completely alone. Like the existential problem for Sai is that he's got nobody. And it's, you know, by the time, oh, P.S. Spoiler alert. I don't think we even need, do we need to do spoiler alerts? Our show is a spoiler alert. It's not, it's we have spoilers spoiler. every week. Okay, guys. Yeah. I know you guys know this already, but we're going to say it anyway because hopefully we'll have a new listener or two out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. So spoiler alert. So spoiler alert. Are in effect now. Um. Yeah. By the time I mean, by the time we get to the end of the movie, we we hear a little bit about Sai's story in like a in like yeah. a sort of you know hypothetical way. He's been severely he was severely abused as a child, sexually and physically, emotionally mm-hmm. and mentally. You know, like there wasn't any Lee that Sai didn't get it. You know, and so mm-hmm. he's just been like tormented and um. I wouldn't have been able to put into words or form it into a thought, Jeff, the way that you did that. Yeah. That also kind of really speaks a lot to Jake's own 
brokenness because the fact that he can pick up and perceive that uh, loneliness in another human being, um, you know, speaks to his empathy. And how do we get him, you know, how do we become empathic? Because we have been through something ourselves. So right. cheers to you for that child psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> if I ever have a problem, you know, with that, I'm bringing him to your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can. Yay. Yay. Um, okay. That's an inside thing, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so then we, uh, we see an encounter with, Cy and his boss, um, Bill, who's played by Gary Cole. And by the way, it just, Gary Cole plays such a great dickhead of a boss. I mean, there's no other way to. <laughs> no, there's no this, other way. <laughs> like, I, I tried to clean it up. There's no other way. I wanted to say something else, but there's no other way to say it. He, I mean, you talk about office space. You talk about this. He plays such a great jerk of a boss that, I mean, these types of things fit him so well. So he ends up, you know, letting Cy know, look, man, you know, we've noticed all of these discrepancies and, you know, we've got all this, these things going on and, you know, care to explain yourself kind of deal. And Cy's like, well, you know, that must be a mistake. And he tries to, you know, kind of smooth things over, but, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't work. And um, does not want him to come in on a Sunday yeah. for work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, this time he's telling them, you know, not only do you not, don't worry about the TPS report, don't worry about any of that. Um, just go, just go home, just you yeah. know, go. Um, and yeah, I mean that, and it that really starts the spiral. Um, for side. It is, yeah, it's a triggering incident. And then, ooh, so one of the things that he discovers, um, you know, kind of on his last run as this photo tech at Save Mart, is he discovers that the uh, the husband of Nina, Will Yorkin, um having a little uh side thing going on with the pig with the young lady um and you know and that's and honestly you know you've got the loss of the job now you have the loss of what he looked at as the perfect family because now he's figured out that will is a cheating scumbag yeah and it shattered everything. So now it's like, okay, I mean, this is, it's just. That's such a double loss. Yeah. Two, two things that were huge in his life. I mean, anybody like your job, you know, um, even if you don't like it, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, this pillar in his life of obsessing and, watching over this family, the Yorkins, you know, as the years go by. I mean, we see from the pictures that he's collected of them that he's been stalking them and kind of following their um, exploits since before the baby was born. And the baby, you know, Jake turned nine. So there's pictures of just when it was just Nina and Will. 
And so he's been like on them, detailing them for like a while. For a while. A long while. A and long has this fantasy. While. We see him having repeated fantasies throughout the movie of him being in their family, you know, um, of him being Uncle Sai, of him of him being in their house, uh, of him being mm-hmm. in the photographs with them, you know, of him just having been part of their lives. So, you know, that that's what this, where, where that's where this obsession has taken him. And I think that's what makes this like a unique film among the stalker films we've been talking about is that this is like, not just, I don't want to say not just, this is different from the other films in that, um, and one of the reasons we picked it out was because this is one person and their isolation leading them to tr- this troubling behavior of stalking a family, like an entire family. When he sees mm-hmm. Will Yorkin for the first time um, in Save Mart, he talks to him like he's a rock star or like he's seeing someone famous that he admires. He's like, oh, you're Will Yorkin. And he's and Will is like, uh huh, yeah, like, yeah, and like he's like, what's it to you? You're Nina's husband, <laughs> like you're Nina and, and and Nina's husband and Jake's dad, and you know it's like he's seeing someone famous, mm. and that's really odd. And so, um, yeah, we thought the this type of stalker needed a little representation, and who better to represent than Robin Williams? who, as I was telling you, Jeff, off the air, I mean, how, I don't know how you feel about Robin Williams, if you had, if you were a big fan of his work or of him, um, but I found it difficult to not think of his death in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of influenced my watching of this movie this time, because like you, I hadn't seen it in a really long time. I mean, this movie is 18 yeah. years old now. You know, yeah. so did you like? Were you a were you a Robin Williams fan? Absolutely, I love love Robin Williams, and you know it. I found myself like you when I was watching the movie, just really struggling with with not thinking about his passing, and you know, I mean, you you think about you know, some of the circumstances that you hear surrounding his passing and you think about this role and the the place that he had to go to mm. to bring this character to to life on screen. And I mean he's he did such a brilliant job with the role and it just made me think like not the stalking part but just the level of loneliness and the depths of the of the depression that you see in the film it's like maybe he didn't have to reach too far for that you know when you start thinking in hindsight and yeah um you know and that that's what i thought about this time around um before you know, like before watching this movie, oh man, this is so creepy, you know, and all this stuff. But this time around, I, I will say that I noticed a lot more in terms of the emotional things in the film. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, because I'll be honest with you, the first probably however many times I've seen this film, I really didn't pick up on the thing with Jake. Like that mm. was just kind of an afterthought for me. Um, well, you're you're this, a dad now. You're a dad. Yeah, and I was exactly. Weren't then, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I was not a dad when I watched this before, so you know all of that changed. I mean, it you know, and then I had one opinion of Psy before, and then this time around, I had a completely different opinion of them once once we get to the end of the film but oh okay um, i can't wait to hear about that yeah um so then he you know he ends up taking those photos that um of will and his mistress uh maya burson who's played by aaron daniels he places those photos into the packet of pictures that nina is supposed to pick up and yeah, he uh she stops on the road and she is devastated obviously. Um you know and and to her credit, you know, she tried to hold it together for Jake as best she could. Um even though she really didn't hold it together, but she tried. Um then we see Sai returned to the store with some photos that he wants developed. And Bill is like, dude, you know, out of all the places you could have gone, why are you here? And he's like, listen, I, you know, I thought it was okay to, you know, still shop here. And Bill's like, absolutely not. And he starts to make a little bit of a scene. So Bill's like, this is it, you know, last time, whatever. So he takes his film over to Yoshi and, uh, Yoshi. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Yoshi develops these pictures, and he's like, "Um, yeah, I'm gonna need for Bill to take a look at this because, <laughs> um, Bill, this is a problem for you and your family. Um, so much so that we see uh, pictures of Bill's daughter that are kind of a, I mean, they they're like a voyeuristic type of look." to them and you know that was that was a part of the of the movie where i was like i get that he's trying to get under bill's skin but that might be a little too far oh yeah they, um, were, they were that was terrifying it's just yes you assume when you see Sai actually going to take those photographs you assume that he's back at the yorkin house because he's you know we kept we see right. him like obsessing over them and then we find out later that what he, he was in front of what's his face's house and just you could just hear i mean you could just hear him holding down the button on yeah. the camera and the and the camera just taking all of the exposures you know of the mm -hmm. little girl but we don't see who he's taking a picture of until obviously then when yoshi brings up the photos and right. gary cole you know looks like he's gonna drop dead from fear um and yeah. he sees his little girl it's cool though what they do they do like they do it like a flip book you know, yeah. where when you yeah. like the pages and it looks like it's moving. I mean, there's yeah. lots of little like photographic, you know, um, funsies, <laughs> I'll say, um, throughout the yeah. movie, you know, because uh, yeah. Romanek is such a photographer, you know, at heart. Um, also, you know, we didn't even really talk about this. Like, this movie is like the other thing this movie made me 
you know, feel was, it made me feel a little old, Jeff. Jeff, I'm yeah. old. I'm 40 now. 40, well, I'm you, not, know, I'm, we, you know, I'm, you know, we can't say number. We can't say numbers. We're not going to say numbers. No, okay. All right. I'm, I'm not 40 then. <laughs> yeah, you're not 40. You're a blue bubble. Yeah, exactly. That's how old you are. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> He's not 40. He's much younger than me, folks. So don't even, he doesn't have anything to worry about. But like, um, but all joking aside, I mean, the technology of digital, the digital camera, the digital point and shoot camera, the yeah. little guys, you know, not the big ones with the, you know, not the SLRs with the lenses, you know, um, but that's, that's uniquely like, you know, of that time period, early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, I think like by mid 2000s, you know, we were just kind of starting to come off of that, if I'm not wrong. But uh, yeah, by then, and then the whole world switches to taking photographs with your phone, you know, mm-hmm. so and that's what probably that's what most people will remember. But when I was watching this movie, I was like, this is this movie makes me feel like how like when I was little and I'd be with someone who was way older than me, like my grandma or somebody, you know, like watching something of her time, you know, period. And just her, you know, thinking that that's all good and gravy and me thinking like, wow, that's, you know, that looks so different. That looks like it's another world, you know, what even what like, you know, and I'm thinking, so many kids nowadays could watch this movie as teenagers, you know, and say like, what, what is that even like, what is that? Is that like, I have to be like, that's a roll of film, you know, it's not, it's the camera, him using the camera, not just, I think we're at the point where like, you know, in movies where you see someone using their phone to snap a picture, it's not that weird anymore. Right. You don't need to see someone with like a point and shoot camera, but in this movie, that's what we get. And we get lots of, obviously lots of photographic prints, how Mm -hmm. we used to get. Nowadays we don't, everything's digital. So you keep it on your phone and that's how you show someone your pictures. You don't use um, photo, physical photo albums or physical photo prints. So I mean, yeah, duh to all of what I just said, but for me, um, it, it, it definitely made me feel like, wow, this movie is dated now. And I'm feeling a little old. Yeah, and I mean, even the conversation that Nina and Cy had, where she's like, I'm thinking about going to a digital camera. And he's like, no, don't do that. You know, at this point, there's really not even a choice. I mean, there's no choice. It's like, and, and we've gotten past the point of those, like you said, the little digital cameras, everybody takes a picture with their phone now. Um, you know, we no longer have the printed out uh, photo albums with the negatives in the front that you can go and, you know, get, you know, get more photo. yeah, reorder your <laughs> copies. We don't have that anymore. Instead, we have albums on our phones of, mm-hmm. you know, different photos. So, you know, and I honestly, like, it's it's kind of funny that we did this movie this week because having just, you know, and still in the process of going through a move, one of the things that my parents did a lot when I was younger was they took a boatload of photos. 
And I mean, I still have, I still have my mom and dad's 35 millimeter. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, I still have it. And, you know, it's just crazy. I've still got like all the negatives of all the pictures that they took and all the, you know, some different roles of film and that kind of thing too. So like, it's just crazy thinking about how much technology has changed things that, you know, when we were growing up were just kind of a, I mean, they were such a big deal. And I mean, even to the point where I remember like one of the first Polaroid cameras, uh, you know, that you, you shake the picture and, Mm-hmm. you know you get an instant you know you get the instant photo and i'm thinking like wow i mean that's like even that you know for in my lifetime was cool and now if you show a kid that's like what in the world is that like <laughs> what how does that come out of that i mean that's yeah i mean it's just it's so crazy how much technology has changed things and so yeah. much so that when yeah. you see a movie like this so much of it doesn't I, I can I can just imagine so much of it not registering with people right. in the younger generations not understanding what that is I mean right. you can surmise you know it's, it's a photo but you know photography obviously he's handling you know photos so you can put two and two together but it's just not like you don't understand right away like oh hey that's how we used to do things you know, right. we would drop off film at a place and they do and they, you know, yeah. get it back to you. And you'd be really excited to see the pictures because you didn't mm-hmm. have you didn't have images saved. Otherwise, there weren't any phones. Right. We weren't looking at phones and pictures of everything immediately. Even Polaroid right. and digital Polaroid and digital and digital cameras were like considered like, wow, because it's you had it right then and there, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's still the obstacle of like, you know, you with digital cameras you want to get it off the camera and put it onto a print or you'd put it onto a cd so that you could pop it into your laptop and see it bigger you know what i mean like there wasn't a handheld medium like the phone to like you know be the intermediary there were were no redos either i mean you no snap a picture Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's it that's your picture it's like okay i mean you uh-huh. if you got it you got it if not then too bad we'll see when it comes out because <laughs> it might be a little bit blurry and you know what sigh we've got to say this we we may have to say that he's the pioneer of the selfie oh, yeah. he's he's one of the he's, a, founding he's an fathers. early pioneer <laughs> he's he's one of the founding fathers of the selfie because you know, earlier when we talked about Nina coming in uh, in there, he was going to develop the role of film. And he says, well, you've got one more on here. And she says, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And he's going to take her picture. And she was like, no. So he just points the camera at himself. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I can't help but imagine that um, that character had a lot to do with selfie. So, um if there's ever a selfie Mount Rushmore or a selfie museum, Psy should be in there. I would like to add on to that, if I may. We could 
I think we can designate Sai as a patron saint of obsessive um, photographers, like photography, lab technicians, photography lab technicians. Sai is a patron saint of obsessive uh, (laughs) photography-ness because he really is, you know, his whole life. I mean, his whole life is, you know, all about photos and um yeah. but yeah so i think we can uh give him that give him that candle make a candle for him yes yes yeah, so now that we uh that bill has seen these photos well, of his daughter um he calls the police and then that's when we see detectives vanderzee which is a cool name um played by Eric LaSalle and Outer Bridge played by Clark Gregg. Not Clark, Clark Gregg. But Woo-hoo. Clark Gregg. So mm-hmm. um and and they end up finding out what Sai is all about in all of this. They they figure it out. Um but in the meantime Sai goes to a hotel where Will and Maya are uh, having some fun. They're um, enjoying the pleasure of each other's company. They are. Um, <laughs> yes, they're having a lot of fun. And um, Cy, uh comes into the room um, pretending to be room service and um, pretending to be room service. And uh, he he ends up forcing them and, and he's also got a knife that he stole from save mark uh, um, huge. I, a bigger knife i've never seen this is a uh, it, real yeah, hunting mean, knife if you're going yeah. hunting for a t-rex i'm serious yes yes i mean listen i'm trying to think of his name this is how much my brain is fried this week Gil. Gil Renard. Yeah, Gil. Gil sold knives. Those knives had nothing to do. It had nothing on the knife that Cy had. This knife was, I mean, it was, yeah, it was scary. Jeff, it was as tall as my kid. My eight-year-old son is, you yeah, know, I mean, was a little yeah. bit was like a like a half inch shorter than this knife. Man, I, I'm not even kidding. I mean, he yeah, he went <laughs> in there, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, if if I were Will, um, first off, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been Will, but um, <laughs> nobody wants but to if be I, Will. No, but if I if I were, uh-huh. um, I probably would have peed a little. I mean, honestly, like I, I would have. Oh, I feel you. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have peed a little. I, I would have said at that point, okay, I realize the error in my ways. As long as you don't cut me, as long as you don't point that knife at me, mm-hmm. I promise you, I will be a saint Good boy. Yeah. for the rest of my life. If I even think about anything wrong, just for just hang it up but i i'm gonna be on the straight and narrow path going forward because 
that knife could i mean it was that intimidating it really was it was it was he lunges at maya remember when he lunges yeah. at maya with it and um yeah you know, just to kind of show her he's not fooling around when he's like, you know, you're going to do what I say when I say, you know, when I say, and he, we see, this is the genius. I think that, you know, you and I keep talking about in Robin Williams's performance here is that we see a whole different side of Psy that's really not so like by, by this time in the movie that we've gotten to know him and he's because he's the primary you know, character that the movie is focused on, you know, even though superficially it's such a different side of Psy, it doesn't really feel like out of character, or out of step for him at all, because you, the whole no. time you get the sense like something's building, something's not right, you know? Right. So, um, and, and some people wouldn't be, some actors might not be able to pull that off, but Robin Williams was able to pull this off, like without a hitch, you know, right. he just, God, you know, he just, he nailed that character down, I think, really well. He didn't go over the top with it. No. He, no. I, I was wondering, okay, here's, and, 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 and like, hear me out on this, is I wonder, like, maybe, maybe you notice this too, maybe not. All right, you know, when he's like, he gets to their hotel room door, I think it's 519, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he's approaching the door. And he's like, you know, like, knock, 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 like, it's room service, you know, and they're like, oh, just leave it out by outside. And he's like, I can't, you have to sign for it. And like, you know, me, like us as the viewer, and like, just like me, because I'm me, like watching this scene, and I'm like, oh, my stomach's starting to get into a knot, because like, what are you going to do? They're going to come to the door. And it's obviously not room service, it's you. And like, what are you going to do in that situation? Right? But like, mm -hmm. but Psy like, like is like nonplussed and he all of a sudden, like, you know, we see him like grab the doorknob and like, you know, angle his arm so that once when they come to the door, when they open it, he can muscle his way quickly into the room. Right. And I was like, damn, like that's, that's like the, you know, that's the criminal element. That's that like, you know, I'm up, to, I'm really up to something like evil element that's in right. his brain you know because i just i was like saying i'm like i'd be like you know there with like you know my my hands over my eyes like oh, they're gonna see who it is it's me you know and he just mm -hmm. got right into like action mode like no now i'm taking this room down with me you know yeah and that and then like leading forward like he the character of Psy and what he came up with in terms of the violence and how he was going to like punish Will and Maya for their transgressions against the family were, that was very unique. You know, in mm -hmm. Fatal Attraction, we see Glenn Close's character, you know, torment Michael Douglas and torture him with, you know, I want to say the standard stalking fair because it's it's so hideous. It's an attack. It, it each time anyone does that to someone else, you know, so there's nothing standard about it. But it is sort of like you know the typical behavior in a stalker, right? And then the fan we see, you know, Robert De Niro's character, just sort of like you know, so like you know, garish and outlandish and like hey, Bobby, and like the whole thing, you know, and 
kind of mm -hmm. then kidnap his kid, which is all right, hitting him where it hurts. And that's kind of also something that's, you know, you'd understand as like that happens in these situations. Um, and which one am I skipping over? What did we do the second week? Greta. Oh, yeah. Um, and Greta, you know, like poisons her and she like, you know, so, so she, so, you know, Chloe Grace Moretz, like, you know, she stalks her, she stands there watching her and then she poisons her again, you know, whatever. And so on and so forth. But like, Robin Williams's character, Cy, like comes up with something so demented. And it's not even like, it's not that it's so gruesome because he doesn't actually like take the knife to either Michael, I mean, uh, either character, Will or his lady friend. But right, I mean, that's like, it's right. what he does is like so much more demented. It's like a complete reflection of what he had to go through when he was a kid. And yeah. it's, I think, I feel like it's so much more devastating to Will, which is, the point and actually honestly like since i think will is like you know a total pig i mm -hmm. kind of felt like this was just desserts for him that like he'll never be able to like you know have sex with maya again they're never that relationship's over because they just yeah. went through something like sexually traumatic you know mm -hmm. with you know in this scenario uh so that's never going to happen i mean we see maya like in the shower getting clean emotionally because she's just sitting yeah. there like crying um and will you know is probably so scared out of his mind i mean when he gets home he like he hugs and kisses his little boy for like the first time we see in the movie i think yeah i yeah, mean he you gets know emotional even doing that you know yeah and he's, he's been, wiping tears away yeah that's the first time we actually see him being a human being in the movie and not being like a total pig um so i mean i, I just agree, think i agree with i was you, gonna ask yeah. you like what do you what do you think about that i mean in terms of the movie like did that was that underwhelming because I, I was wondering about that too like part of me i can't I'll be honest like part of me uh felt like underwhelmed by like you know because we're so used to everything being hyped up violence yeah what do you, you mean what do you by like you mean by when like he that? was kind of you know pushing his way into the door and all of that? Yeah, and like um, what happened afterwards, you know? Yeah, honestly, to me, it felt instinctual at that point. Like it, it was always there, but the moment had never come to be able to let that out because you know what we end up finding out is that he went through some traumatic experiences and abuse as a child so this was his first time being able to act out in rebellion against what he had gone through and i think in those moments he's seeing will as his dad putting him through a situation where he's tearing apart the family He's doing something that is morally wrong. And, you know, he's been, Cy has been embarrassed as a child in, you know, various things that he's explained. So now it's time to embarrass 
the male figure and the and the female figure in this honestly because now they deserve to feel what he's felt um and i mean even in some of the things that he was saying like when he was taking the pictures that wasn't sigh speaking being sigh that was him repeating a dialogue and a script that he had heard he that's him replaying that in his mind in my opinion i got um, that too i've always yeah. felt that way and and another shout out to robin williams for doing that yeah. because how do you how do you repeat lines of dialogue and communicate that like you said this is that character repeating what was said to them in moments of abuse mhm yeah i mean it was yeah it was crazy and then, and then you know to kind of wrap up the movie here um you know the police come to the hotel uh sai escapes um through the emergency areas and he's running away from the police but they finally end up getting him and uh you know we when we open the movie we see uh detective vanderzy uh questioning sai um and then you know we go back to that that same setting at the end of the movie and he's asking him why he uh did this to will and maya and you know at that point Sai begins to ask the, t the detective some questions and the detective's like i'm the one that's going to ask questions here and you know and Sai starts to talk about how he thinks detective vanderzee is a good man and he wouldn't do something so disgusting to his family and all of that um and then um Sai asks like hey you know can i have the pictures can i see the pictures uh, from the hotel and um the detective describes them as evidence um but what we see is um basically objects from the hotel and all of that and honestly I, the last scene i've i've get we've got to talk about that because as we're closing out the film mm -hmm. we see a family photo of the yorkins with will having his arm around Sai, smiling. So, what's your interpretation of that last scene? Or is there even an interpretation? Is that, are we seeing what we're actually seeing? Or what's your, what's your take on that? Uh, good question, because that's, you know, that question came into my mind when you know obviously when i got to the last scene i was like okay what's this about like i hadn't i hadn't remembered the last scene so mm -hmm. like jeff said you see the camera kind of like pulling back very slowly from a photograph of the yorkin family plus sai and um with will yorkin's hand like his arm around sai like as if they're all family like in that picture i imagine sai is like you know nina's uh, uh, brother, you know, and he's somehow related to them. What do I think of the photograph? I think it's like, you know, just an, ex it's like a demonstration of his fantasy of how his fantasy was like, just, you know, and it was a delusion. It wasn't saying like, hi, like, you know, oh, this last scene is supposed to represent 
that Sai is delusional and excuse me, he's got this kind of disorder or anything like that. It was just kind of like an emotional, I think a kind of dreamy shot of, of a uh, size obsession, you know, where yeah. like what it was, what this movie was. He wants to be part of that family. He remember he gave that whole monologue, like that inner monologue when he was out at the flea market talking about like, Oh, you know, what is a, what does a picture really say? It says like, Hey, I existed. And, you know, someone thought I was important enough to take a photograph of. And right. he like, you know, picks a photograph to pretend is his mother or whatever. And I think that was sort of like that, kind of like a poetic last shot of, of that really like, but mixed in with his obsession and his delusion, you know, yeah. it's kind of like a twisted, like how, um, remind me of like those like nineties thrillers, like hand that rocks the cradle or even fatal attraction, how they ended yeah. on that shot of like the, you know, the, three members of the family and then they like slowly pull away and you hear like the kind of generic classical music almost like modern classical music and mm -hmm. that's kind of what happened what do you think i agree with everything you said um i just for some reason this time when i watched it and i don't know why i felt this way but there's a part of me that said, you know, I really wish that photo was real. That maybe it's a real photo. And Will has seen like, okay, I was a terrible person. And it took something extremely drastic to get my attention. So I'm, I'm indebted to this person who basically forced me to do some things and you know humiliated me i'm indebted to this person now for making me realize uh what family is supposed to be about and that's what i kind of took away from from it this time which is completely different than what than what i took away um the first, you know, the first however many times I've seen this movie, um, because I mean, I think th I think things are so different in my life. And I think this is the type of film that when you watch it, depending on where you are in your life is how you interpret certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's where for me this time around, I, I got more of the emotional side of things as opposed to just the images that I saw on the screen things connected with me a little bit more than they have in the past so um so yeah I you know I kept I kept watching that last scene as many times as I've seen and I'm like okay now I'd really like for this to be a real picture like th mm -hmm. this could be you know good for this family because yeah they it could have gone a different way. Like it could be that the family splits up and they end up, you know, going their separate ways. And, you know, now you've got two parents who are split up trying to raise a, a child yeah. or they take this as a, as an opportunity to grow together as a family and take this experience and um, let it bring them closer together. And, create more open dialogue without the need of hiding things and 
because obviously when you get to the point where will was there's something it, there's one or two things either there are discussions that you're not having or you're just a scumbag and i mean maybe will was the latter but i hope that you know it's more of the former when in yeah. this case nice well, that's a very hopeful way of looking at it i'm glad you said that i try <laughs> <laughs> slow clap yeah i know i yeah i i try i try um you know think, uh, you know oh, what? what for the first for the first time i'm just gonna do this because why not because i've got it right here in front of me now so um you know of course like a live stream, I... <laughs> so nice. here we go yes no, it was a very hopeful way of looking at it. And from, like you said, coming from a different place, a perspective of maturity and forgiveness, when, you know, when you're younger, you don't really look at things that way necessarily, you know? Right. Um, let me ask you a question. What did you think of the scene? It's after Nina has seen the photographs of, like, of um, Will and his mistress at the beach. We mm -hmm. see that, you know, she's like, the car swerves because she's looking at them in the car after her son has seen them and mixed in with his photographs, which is really twisted, which is something that I feel like yeah. the director may have thrown in there. That Cy put those pictures in with the pictures uh, that um, little, what's his face? Jake, little Jake has taken Jake. and gotten developed. Yeah. Those are his pictures. Like of, he, of course he's going to see them. And he mixed the pictures of his dad kissing his mistress you know, and making out with his mistress, like at the beach and with Jake's pictures and the mom sees them and they're driving and she swerves and, you know, like Jeff talked about earlier. Um, so Cy follows, you know, her home and then he's, you know, stalking them, watching them. Um, she's about to serve dinner. Um, what do you think of that scene? Um, you know, we see, we see Nina, we see Jake, we see Will, they're all at the dinner table. She's serving them. Sai's waiting for a big, you know, outburst and a big fight or something from Nina. And it doesn't happen. She just serves them dinner and sits down. This is right after she's seen the photos. Jake has mm -hmm. seen the photos. He's seen his mom get extremely upset. Um, and Sai gets really angry and says, what is wrong with these people? And like drives off because he was expecting yeah. a big fight or a big showdown and it doesn't happen. What do you think, Jeff, of that scene? What was your opinion? What did you have a reaction while you were oh. watching it? Any expectations? Um, I'll say this first. <laughs> perspective is something else. I mean, it's like once you've lived life a little bit, you start to view things a lot differently. The first time that I watched this film, I had the same reaction that Cy had. It's like, what's wrong with this woman? Like, is she just going to let him get away with it? But now, um, you know, being a father and, and all of that, it's like, well, what was she supposed to do? Have this fight in front of her son? Of course not. And it just goes to show the level of dysfunction in Sai's life. 
where he plants this seed that was there and he expects for it to grow into this huge argument that's just going to be this knockdown drag out in front of Jake. And he doesn't even think about the fact that, well, wait, this happened to me when I was a kid. I'm assuming just by what he said at the end of the movie and then his reaction to this and, you know, kind of his anticipation of a blow up. You just think like he he's he's experienced this and that just shows the type of childhood that he has because that's not normal. And the way that she handled it, while it was very difficult for her to handle it that way there's no other way to handle it in that moment because you don't have that conversation or argument in front of your child. And honestly, the whole situation with the pictures being, you know, kind of mixed in with, with Jake's stuff. um, That's something that I'm sure she probably wanted to shield, um, shield him away from as well. And, you know, in that moment, Sai took that control away from her as a parent by mixing those photos in to that pile. Instead of creating a separate thing and labeling them for Nina, he mixed them in. And that's where, like, that's where you can see some of that dysfunction start to come to play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was, I was, um, I'm glad that we didn't see an argument between the parents in front of the child because that happens all too often. And um, sometimes parents don't consider the uh, the impact that, that has, because I mean, whether they know it or not, what your child sees is what they will either attract or go after when they're older. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll see that chaos and they'll crave that because they think that's normal. You're a good man, good husband and father, a man who appreciates his good fortune. You're not the type of father who'd cheat on his wife, hurt his family, betray their trust. You would never ask. You would never ask your children to do things. Things that children shouldn't do. You would never take disgusting, sick, degrading pictures of your children doing these things. treat your children like animals. Will Yorkin had it all and he threw it all away. 
Vater. And man, I'm really sounding like a child psychologist. Um, I think I, I, I missed think my. I think I missed my calling. Um, Doctor Watson, because I'm sorry, you've gone from an attorney in this episode. You're actually a child psychologist, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Jeffrey but, Watson Esquire. <laughs> hey, there we, we go. <laughs> we don't want to lose there we go. it. We don't want to lose that. We need an attorney. We need a defense yeah. attorney. Yeah, um, we gotta have that. But yeah, that's that's what I thought about it. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That's another example, like you said, of you know seeing it differently. I've, I basically ditto to everything you said. We'll leave it at that. We'll, okay. Won't take another ten minutes for me to repeat what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I had something, I had another question to ask you about the movie, and it totally went out of my head, so I won't ask it then, obviously. So, Dr. Watson, given all of the, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm going to pause that for a second. I do want to mention that... In one hour photo, um, Robin Williams' character of Cy Parrish, you want to consider him an intimacy slash resentful stalker. And because we've been talking about the different types of stalkers, um, I just want to talk about for a quick second, the resentful stalker. Um, Resentful stalking arises when the stalker feels as though they have been mistreated or that they are the victim of some form of injustice or humiliation. Victims are strangers or acquaintances who are seen to have mistreated the stalker, like Will Yorkin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, resentful stalking can arise out of a severe mental illness when the perpetrator develops paranoid beliefs about the victim and uses stalking and uses stalking as a way of getting back at the victim. Not really so much there, but... The initial motivation for stalking is a desire for revenge or to even the score, and the stalking is maintained by the sense of power and control that the stalker derives from inducing fear in the victim. Often resentful stalkers present themselves as a victim who is just who is justified in using stalking to fight back against an oppressing person or organization. And then that, I feel like there are some elements of that type of stalker plus the intimacy seeking stalker that really kind of fills out size profile. Um, The intimacy seeking stalking arises out of a context of loneliness and a lack of a close confidant. Victims are usually strangers or acquaintances who become the target of the stalker's desire for a relationship. So frequently intimacy seeking stalker's behavior is fueled by a severe mental illness involving delusional beliefs about the victim such as the belief that they are already in a relationship, even though none exists. The initial motivation is to establish an emotional connection and an intimate relationship. 
The stalking is maintained by the gratification that comes from the belief that they are closely linked to another person. So this profile obviously seems more in keeping with size, um, you know, behaviors in the movie. Um, But I do feel like there is like an element of the resentful stalker in his behavior towards Will specifically and the, and the, and how he ends up um, being the aggressor towards him and feeling like he's been uh, somebody's like, like they, like he really will in his actions with um, Maya, the mistress really took something away from Sai. And that's like this, this family that he feels he has, which is like, Hello, not really <laughs> happening. Right. And he takes it out on him. He gets back at him by doing all this stuff. But it's honestly, it's just he's seeking that intimacy because he's super lonely and he's he's got nobody. So he's yeah. been he's taken these people who barely know his name. I mean, when she's when when Jake says to his mother, like, I feel like Sai is really sad. She's like, Sai, like, and it takes her a minute. She's like, the photo uh, guy. The like, photo guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, and like you'd think after all this time that she would know who he is. Um, you know, I just think it's a mix of both, but I think definitely everything about the intimacy seeking stalker is like where Sai is at. Um, but they both kind of flesh out his profile, and it's pretty scary. Um, scary stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, what loneliness will do to you is just horrific. Um, yes. I want to give a shout out that I've been getting um, a lot of information on these profiles from a website called stalkingriskprofile.com. So shout out to them for having um, a really neat, like literally neat, like in columns and the way that it's organized and stuff, um, website dedicated to stalking so that you can identify um there's even a victim support um, section, which if you are um, experiencing any type of stalking, please seek, you know, please seek yourself some help. Again, um, the website that I'm using is stalkingriskprofile.com and they have lots of resources on their website that you can, you know, look up and, and get yourself connected to. Um, for any help that you might need on, on that issue. And I hope nobody, my prayer is that nobody listening to this has that problem because sounds just really, I mean, it's just really a nightmare, a total nightmare. I had a situation recently where I started getting um, text messages just from a, a, like, just from a person that I didn't want to hear from. And it wasn't stalking. It was, and and I remember feeling like anytime my phone like pinged, like I was, I had a knot in my stomach already and it wasn't, you know, it really, it's not a stalking situation. It's totally fine. It's nothing, but it was just like, cause I didn't want to hear from that person. And so my stomach got into knots and then just hearing the ping on the phone. And immediately the first thing I thought of was like, my God, imagine if my phone was pinging like, like 50 times you know, how scary that must be for people who gets, you know, have stalkers and they talk about in the, in in the podcasts that I listen to about it and shows I've watched about it, that these people contact them like 300 times a night 
you know, like in the course of like, you know, six hours overnight. I mean, and it's terrifying. So there's nothing to sneeze at. I know we kind of joke around and stuff. Well, I joke around. Jeff's, Jeff is, you know, totally respectful of these things from the bat. I joke <laughs> tease about these things, but um, obviously it's, it's not a joke. So yeah, yeah. So that's all. I just wanted to throw that out there. And um, uh, yeah, so uh, last thing I'll say is that the Yorkins stink because they are totally 1%. <laughs> um, they have lots of money or at least, you know, it looks like they do. And uh, yeah. yeah, they're total bourgeoisie. So <laughs> the Yorkin family in general, um, I don't really feel bad for them. I was trying to, I was like, I went, like, I was thinking like, do I identify with Nina Yorkin now that I'm a mom and I have my son's like, you know, close to the age of her, you know, her son. And I really couldn't because they're so bougie. Yeah. They're, they're totally white privilege money, everything. And I was like, I can't relate to her even as a mother because that's, I'm, you know, just, we're just not in the same universe. So yep. Uh, reverse shout out to the Yorkin family. For, <laughs> I don't know what, what you say, you know, uh, shaming them. I don't know, but they're lame. Yeah, they are. They're a bunch of lame people. That's what, that's something that changed upon watching, you know, rewatching this movie. You know, I was like, ew, <laughs> they stink. I don't yeah. really have that much sympathy for them, but okay. So Jeff, um, how many headstones would you give one hour photo um, mm. Robin Williams starring Eric LaSalle? <laughs> yes. Starring um, Eric Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it four. Okay. Four. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm going to give it four. And I feel like I should be at four and a half, but I'm, I'm going to say four. And would you have this movie tattooed, any part of this movie tattooed on any part of you? <laughs> your you, arm, your you head, know, foot. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it'd be cool to get like a roll of film mm. um, tattooed on you, so Okay. I, I think yeah. I, if I if anything, I'd get that. Yeah. Would you get what like, about you? Would you get like sigh tattoo no. like the roll of film sigh forever? <laughs> no. Like, no. Be quiet. No. <laughs> um, I I I would not get a tattoo of this movie. Um, I was a photography major in college. I went to art school for photography. Um, and I minored in psychology, but basically like the photography aspect took, you know, was my life and it wasn't such a great part of my, like, it wasn't such a great time in my life. So I think that I'm still kind of like healing from some of the wounds of that time. And I don't really want to, you know, anything yeah. photography on me. Um, but uh, should I say how many headstones? Yes, absolutely. I would give this um, 
I would give this like, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know what? I'm going to give it four, mm -hmm. but I want to give it three and a half, but I will give it four because of Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, because Robin Williams and because Robin Williams. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. May he rest in peace. Yeah. God bless his soul. Yeah. I mean that every day. Yes. And, and peace for his family because he's seems like he was a good person. Look, I don't know him personally, mm -hmm. but you know, we all have our, our animal in, instincts about our other animals. And I always got a sense that like he was a good person. So, yeah. um, yes. yeah. So rest in peace to him. This is a great, great performance by him. If you haven't seen this movie, it's one hour photo. If we haven't mentioned it already directed by Mark Roman. <laughs> if, um, if you're still with us, <laughs> that makes number five. If he was Candyman, we would definitely have seen his hook by now. <laughs> yes. That's um, very true. I have no idea. I'm assuming Mark Romanek went to went on to direct other things because he was such a prolific um, music video director and he is a really talented person. Um, so I'm going to guess that he has. I just don't know of any. I think like like some artists, I think he probably like knocked it out of the park on his first swing. And I'm going to guess that that's what happened here because this was a really good movie. I think anybody who's seen it will ad admit that it's a good movie. Um, yeah. And if you have less, like, kind of like less of a, if you have more of a weak stomach for like anything scary or thrillers, you know, um, I think one hour photo is a good one for you to watch because it's much more psychological and mm -hmm. it's really like the act of aggression comes at the end. Um, you do see some stuff, but it's not much stuff that you see. I don't, I don't even I don't know if you, it's weird. I, I think you see some vag, but not boobies. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of like that. It's like artistic. Yeah. More. It's yeah. more like artistic and not like, you know, so you're not seeing, and you're not, no one gets like uh, stabbed or slashed or shot or, you know, anything weird mm -hmm. happened like that. Um, gruesome. And there's none of that. And um, you, you get the one dream where he's like, oh, he's, yeah. the blood pouring from his eyes, that kind of thing. But, that was terrifying. Uh, Jeff. That was terrifying. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I won't harp on it because I know we're going on a little, a little long. Yeah. But yeah. Hot dog. I think that was the scariest part of all four movies that we have watched this month. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. That was. Out of me, and I was like, <gasps> you know, just the wind knocked out of me because that was terrifying. Yeah. I thought I was having blood pour out of my eyes. But then it turned like brown, so I was like, "Oh, that's like yeah. the film, like you know, the film waste, like coming out mm -hmm. of his eyes." And I just was like, "Oh, mommy, yeah. ugh." So yeah, yeah, great scene. I get that. <laughs> I'm glad I gave it a four now because that was a good scene. A good scene. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, I just want to thank everybody. We both want to thank everybody who's listening. Yes. We appreciate you. We are um, we are loving what we're doing and always looking to get better. So if you have any suggestions or requests, um, Jeff, we did get one request. Shout out to Christina. We did get one request for the movie Hush, which oh. I, it's about like a deaf woman, I guess. Yeah. 
like has someone outside our house yeah like like a predator or whatever yeah so we we'll talk about that um off the air um and we are um on the edge of october my friends my horror fan friends and even my non-horror fan friends our horror and (laughs) non-horror i don't even know what i'm talking about anymore i need to be quiet and um just saying that like we're excited for october and we've got four scary movies to to talk about if you guys have any requests please get at us on instagram at movies i have i have one one request What's that? Our first request. Well, actually, actually two. Our first two requests. Um, and we'll have to talk about them off air, but um, random acts of violence. Okay. Which is on Shutter. Uh, also on Shutter, host. Oh, why do I know that one? I told you about it. I think. Okay. But we'll talk about it off air. But I, I will say over? that I, yeah. Okay. I will say that I watched Host and I mean, it's 57 minutes long. It's all done through a Zoom type setting, which is like very poignant in terms of time. And what they do with this film is so impressive um, that I, I I honestly thought about this as a concept and I'm pissed that I didn't do it because I oh. thought about it. Um, something very similar to it. Not, not the exact story and everything, right. but something very similar. Um, That's the worst. Yeah, but like this is... It's technology mixed with possession. I was like with demonology, right? Because I remember yeah. one image from yeah. one image from the little trailer was yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about it, but you know, we got a couple requests. I will say that random acts of violence was out there too. So yeah, I um I have a request. I have okay. I have one request. Actually, I have two requests. One is a listener request. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's let the right one in. Um, okay. Uh, and so that would be for our fr- our friend of the show, Natalia Reyes. Oh, yeah, uh, she shout requested out. that one. Yeah, shout out. Um, I will double check the text that she sent me, but I'm pretty sure it's let the right one in. Um, her birthday is at towards the end of the month, so I thought it would be fun and yeah celebrate a listener birthday listener in front of the show birthday yeah and i we'll we'll do this even though it's early but um we'll do this real quick for (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) yay um and then i want to do because uh i love it and i think i don't know if you if you like it um the crow the '90s uh, movie, The Crow. Yes. yes. Thank you. I want like we're like I. That's my pick for, um, for Halloween month, okay. aka October. 
So yeah. there you go, guys. You um, got a, a free preview of what we're probably going. The lineup will probably look like for October. Yeah, yeah, I got to see the crow again. Yeah, I got um, it on Blu-ray. Um, I think it was earlier this year. Yeah, it was earlier this year that I bought it on Blu-ray, and I still haven't even cracked it open. Yeah. Wow. And you know what we can do when we when we review the crow. Oh shoot! Is I can bring I can oh, tie hell. in. That, <laughs> no, just hear me. No, I'm being silly. I'm being silly. I can tie in the other podcast that I'm on because the that movie had a lot of influence on a particular person in the professional wrestling world. So is it the Undertaker? Is that the that guy's no. name? No. Uh, no. Sting. Oh, yeah, Sting. Sting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always thought Sting, one of those dudes looked like looked like the crow. Yeah. He. So basically, he went from a like a a high top cut, uh, shaved on the sides, and you know, bleach blonde hair, and you know, tan and all this stuff to a whole crow persona, and coming down from the rafters and. You know, he didn't speak, his character didn't speak for a year and a half, that kind of thing. Like on screen, he never, he didn't speak for a year and a half. I mean, it was, it was so well done, but I think that would be really cool to tie in the two worlds. Um, And you know what? Well, we'll talk about, we'll talk about this on, uh, off the, uh, off air because I've I've got some ideas about that episode. So great. That sounds anything. I like your ideas. So I'm probably going to be down for it. Sometimes I have okay ones. Yeah, you usually have the you usually have the good ideas between the both of us. Uh no, you have great ideas. Yeah, I have some no, I have some okay ideas. ideas. No great ideas. But, I the ideas I have whenever I get them are nerdy. Yours are really cool. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh. Well, guys, get at us at movies to be murdered by at gmail.com. We love you. Bye. Peace out.
now. Enjoy the silence.